Don't you ever get the impression that every day, every way there are people working in laboratories, they're working in, in dark garages, they're working in great big factories to prepare for us, each one, both singly and in society, a better life. A better life that we can all achieve. You know, no, no, really, this has been one of the great desires of mankind, you know, ever since the very beginnings of time, to work in his life as an artist works in an art form. To improve it. To, to make of it something truly sublime. And, and, and uh, now the only thing that we can actually work in, of course, is the mechanical thing. We can, we can make a thing that hooks onto our foot. We can make a thing that hooks onto our ear. We can make a thing that buzzes. We can make a thing that uh, plays, yes, sir, that's my baby. Uh, all of these things are mechanical contrivances, see. And uh, we're always working to improve life itself through mechanics or through chemicals or some kind of technique of that nature. In fact, a couple of days ago, I I'm talking to this chick, and she's got about 45,000 really fantastic hang-ups, you know, that kind of thing. And, and, uh, <laughs> and she so she's going to go to a psychiatrist. And I said, well, you know, it's all right, except that the, the, the hang-ups that you've got are no different from everybody else's hang-ups. And she says, but it's not healthy. I said, well, I don't know whether it's healthy or not. I mean, you know, a guy gets arthritis, lightning hits you. Uh, life itself is not healthy. That's the whole point. See, life itself is unhealthy. But somehow she figures if she goes to the right analyst, an analyst will teach her how to be a finer, more vibrant human being and live a, an unbelievably rich, deep, mosaic-like existence. You know, the whole point is that, is that we want to we somehow improve well, as we, as we work on this improving thing, of course, it, 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 it works quite the opposite. Literally does. It, it, invariably, it, it, it has been man's lot that his gigantic efforts to improve his, his state have almost invariably resulted in quite the opposite. Believe me, it, it, technically. Do you really believe that your life is better off, let's say, than a peasant living in Normandy uh, 500 years ago? because of the automobile. Do you really believe that? Yes, that's the thing. Everybody does. <laughs> he does. He likes to really believe that, that, that life today is a better kind of life than it was a thousand years ago. This is one of the great illusions, too. And I'm sure that the, the guy living in Normandy 500 years ago figured that life was better in Normandy 500 years ago than it was, say, a thousand years before his time, if he ever thought about it. It just has to be. We all believe that, the li that life itself is a better thing. Now, I'm sure that there are probably, oh, uh, 50,000 kids that might be listening now, kids, let's say, who are under 19, who literally believe that their existence is better, somehow, hipper, uh, more understanding, more sensitive. It's, it's a better existence than their father's existence. In fact, they can't even comprehend that the old man even understood anything about swinging. You know, this is a fantastic thing. New, new, a new deal, a new discovery is pleasure itself. That's true, you know. Uh, all the way up and down the line, we, we believe, we have an implicit belief that life has been, be it's been made better. It's a better life. And yet, all the while, your knee hurts, you know. 
Uh, all the while, people are yelling at each other more than they've ever yelled at each other. Holding up big signs. Guys are banging on tables with shoes. People are sweating. Guys are demonstrating. Roman candles are going off and guys are getting gigantic rockets ready. And yet we believe that our lives are better. We really do believe this. It's, a, it's, a, it's one of those great conundrums. And in every department of life, we somehow figure that the thing that we create is better than the thing that is. Now, to give you an example of that, almost everybody would agree that a swimming pool is better than the ocean. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, they would. Because do you know that right down on the, on the ocean, there are many estates with swimming pools? So it's quite obvious, you know, that, the, that, 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 that this must be an improvement over the ocean. So they'll pipe salt water from the ocean into the swimming pool. Now figure that nuttiness out. But Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Diving board. Fooey. How many of them use the diving board? One guy out of 50 gets even near the diving board. Diving board. No, we have an implicit belief that anything man creates is better than that which is. Believe me, you can buy plastic rocks now for your rock garden. Once you get rid of the real rocks, you know, Claire Marlock get the guy to come with the truck, and then you put the plastic ones in. That's true, you know. You know that you can buy you can buy artificial sand now for people who find that real sand scratches. You can buy bags of artificial sand made out of plastic. It's always clean. You can get it in any color you want, and you know the kids can swallow it, and you can put it in your shoe, and it doesn't it doesn't cut you or anything else. Much better than real sand. Much better. And, and all the way up and down the line, you can, I can, you know, you can see dozens of different examples. Like, I, I'm sure that some poor slob sitting in a, a traffic jam that stretches from the Triborough Bridge all the way to Long Island, it stretches from the Triborough Bridge all the way to Montauk. He's sitting there, the front of his car is boiling, and it's 145 degrees in this hack with the sun hitting down. The kids are crying. And his, his automatic window things are all set at half-mast. They won't go up or down, you know, because the motor's burned out. The rain is coming in. He's sitting there. He would tell you, he would honest to God tell you that since he's sitting in his Lincoln Continental, that life is much better than it ever was. And, it, you know, it's heating over. The thermostats are shot and the whole thing, you know. You know what I'm talking about. He, he, he just refuses to concede otherwise. A man who has a dead television set believes he's better off than a man who has no television set. He just, it's, just, it's just a matter of, 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 of belief. It's faith, you know. It's, it's faith. And, and uh, there is, there, oh, believe me, there's, faith has many different facets. It's not only a faith. Because you see, there's a new kind of religion. And the religion is man himself. And the old days, people used to have a faith in belief in something that God created, like the ocean, you see, or the, or the mountain. Well, since we have a new God, me, and I'm using the me editorially, because after all, the only place you'll ever find anybody really getting excited is when you talk about them uh, today, uh, <laughs> that since we have a new God, naturally, we must honor the creations of that God. Just as in the old days, we would honor the mountains, you see, or we would honor whatever it happens to be, you know, that we feel it is a creation that we didn't have anything to do with. It was here when we came. So, so you know, we, we honor. But now, you see, we've got to honor the creations of man himself. And uh, we, we do it in, in very, very, uh, very subtle ways. Uh, and it's going on all over the world. You think this is only America? Oh, boy, wait till you hear this. Come on now, all together. Let's go now. Let's go. Let's go.
Nothing like the insatiably romantic heart of man. Sleeping tone. The monotonous rhythm of real raindrops that induces sweet slumber is reproduced mechanically by this small, handy, transistor-operated, inexpensive piece of raindrop reproducing equipment. Two types of soothing rhythms. A storm in the middle distance and a storm retreating. Yes, you recharge 10 seconds from ordinary house current and detach the cord. It runs on and on and on automatically, transistorized, unquestioningly, and it never gets you wet. And then it stops automatically, preset. Much better than real storms that go on and on and wash you out to sea. Okay, now. Now, don't you... Isn't that... uh, 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 Excuse the expression, a hell of a lot better than waiting for it to rain. I know one guy... Let me tell you, I know one guy who used to have... You know, he was a true true romantic, you know, of the Thetabera age. And uh, he used to figure that that what really made it romantic was red lights... And bear skins on the floor, you know, and beaded curtains. He's got himself a raindrop machine now. Because there isn't a girl alive who says, Somehow, nothing soothes me more than the sound of rain on the pane. Ah, come here, baby. Turns on the rain machine. Ah, yeah. The sound of wind soughing through the pines down on Hudson Street. The sound of great waves crashing on a forgotten beach. Come here, baby. Oh, sure, I'm telling you. You know, you can get it in stereo, too, if you want it. And uh, it's great on a stereo machine. You can get the sound of waves. You can get the sound of... You can get the sound of an angry mob in the middle distance. And if, if for those... Yes, for those of you who live out in the suburbs, you know, and nothing is happening out there... You know, people just go to the PTA and all that. You can get stereo records of demonstrations to play. Actual demonstrations recorded on the site in in such widely diverse places as Karachi. uh, Places like uh, demonstrations in Birmingham. Wonderful demonstration in Beirut. Beautiful demonstration. Fantastic. Hoi. Hold it there now. Hold it there now. (laughs) Oh, you can. If you if you feel that if if you feel that the that the troubles of the modern world are passing your community by, you can buy it down at the at your favorite. Right, it comes with wonderful program notes, by the way, excellent program notes, uh, all kinds of epithets and things like that. Now now what we're th- I want that romantic music there because we have another wonderful improvement that I think that is in storm. <laughs> And a companion device to our wonderful raindrop-producing transistorized bit of equipment is Mother's Heart. Stimulated human heartbeat works on a subconscious level to soothe into natural slumber. Invented by a doctor, tested in many, many areas, this mechanical device is currently being widely used 
The sound of a heartbeat satisfies one's instinctive desire for the closeness of a mother. The device is equipped with a soft vinyl breast in true-to-life colors to satisfy the sense of touch. And it's fully transistorized and foolproof and the colors are decorator shades. Hi, George. Oh, that's a wonderful idea. You know, I can imagine about 14 of those being mailed to Albi. Uh, <laughs> so many of the modern playwrights and their problems. Uh, as you know, one of the big uh, hang-ups in the modern playwrights is Mother is Rotten. Oh, yeah, she's very rotten. A uh, very terrible, voracious person with uh, chromium teeth. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Well, it would be much better to have this lovely vinyl piece of equipment. There it goes. Come on, once more, romantic music. There, there we go. Can't you just see the opening act of a new hard-hitting modern drama? And there in the middle of the stage, lit by strange blue lights and an off-flesh-toned baby spot, the mechanical heart-beating mother. Oh, yeah. Today's heroine steps onto the stage. Oh, that they're fully transistorized. Of course, they've got transistorized daddies, too, which we can't even put on the air. Well, uh... Speaking of Big Daddy, this is W-O-R-A-M and F-M. Now, you would believe that that comes from Madison Avenue, wouldn't you? Forget it. The place that makes this is... Wakataka, Busan, Tokyo! Tokyo! Hopaya! A strange oriental mysterious east, moving forward with great rapidity into 20th century. Where salute, modern oriental man, and transistorized mother heartbeat in true tone colors. Tokyo, marches forward. Japan people, always looking into future. Working in a new mechanical device to make life of man much better. <laughs> now, now on the subject, oh yes, there's many. Yeah, you see, I think one of the, one of the hang-ups that we have today that is, is uh, full of you-know-what is, is, uh, is, the, is the implicit belief that all slobism stems from America. Forget it. No, sir. We may package it better. We are a little more self-conscious about it than other places. Yeah, we do. We are self-conscious. I mean, the, the, every, every modern book, every, every guy who's writing a novel must take off on the basic slobism of the American society. He's just got to do that. Of course, he, he assumes that this is where it's coming from. Oh, your brother, how does mysterious heartbeat tone of mother coming to you in transistorized, ever-present decorator shades? Providing a soft vinyl breast to satisfy the sense of human touch. Believe me, Wanamakers wouldn't have even thought of that one. Macy's got five years to go before that one comes up. I'm telling you, and, and uh, <laughs> this is not a chauvinistic show that we're just talking about. Slobism on the march. And uh, it certainly is. You know, speaking of slobism on the march and the strange oriental peoples, I... I uh, have you seen the advertisements around? You know, you, you hear, of course, the, the, the most famous commercial today wins all kinds of, of, of prizes uh, is the one, you know, you hear the little thing. Give me the little Japanese thing there. It goes, flying at the speed of light, one enters the Japan Airline 707, now immediately is in the serene oriental mysterious Japan East. 
simple little geisha girl serving hayakawaya tawaya onsaki with ice moves back and forth and makes up your trip a simple pleasant visit in a Japanese inn. Oh, simple mysterious serene east. Well, you hear that, of course. That's a big thing around there. I wonder what our I wonder what our airline commercials sound like in Europe, where they can get away with it. Uh, I'm sure some guy sitting in Tokyo, knee-deep in 87 billion people, everybody yelling and screaming, driving bicycles, one against the other, and fist-fighting and hollering, he couldn't be sold that serene uh, oriental jazz, you know. I mean, oh, damn, the serene oil, cut out the crap. I can hear him. Turn out the the radio TV. He turns off, turn out the radio TV. I can just see him, and they come out with a serene oriental thing. Turn off the TV, the damn TV. Uh, you know, they're doing it. Well, I, I'm sure that in if you go to a place like... Uh, uh, I wonder how our commercials must sound for flying, say, American Airlines or Pan American Airlines, uh, say, from, say from Brussels, or let's say England. They must have a certain sound. You, you have my jug players up there yet? I mean, it, it, it just like, like the, you know, it must be something like this. Yeah, the minute you step into your TWA plane, you are in swinging Big Doe America. Now, I, 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 I'll just bet, I'll just bet it must be like that, you know, when they, they play those commercials over there for us. Of course, they couldn't get away with it here, you know. Some guy who hasn't got four nickels knocking together, if that came on the radio, he'd blow his gasket. But over there, they believe it, you know. They really do believe that we got, everybody's got dough. Everybody, everybody, the poorest guy is just loaded with it. It squirts out of his tennis shoes. He's, he, he, and everybody knows a, a movie star, you know. Uh, and, oh, yeah, I, got a, I, I remember one of the greatest uh, questions that was asked me. Immediately, I get to London. The guy says, do you get out to Hollywood often, quotes? I mean, it was like, you know, do you go to Hollywood on a weekend, you know, everybody goes to Hollywood, of course, you know, and they, they hang around Palm Springs, and, and everyone knows Sinatra, and hangs around Las Vegas, and the Klan, and Jerry Lewis, and Sammy Davis Jr., you know, and the whole, the whole slamu, you know, it's, oh, we're all part of it. <laughs> well, yeah, they really believe it, they honestly do, and, and I guess from, from the way our nation is presented to them through the movies, I guess they believe, you know, this is the way it is. Well, I'm sure that, uh, that we must have a version of a commercial over there that is as wonderfully unrealistic as the commercials that the countries who are foreign to us present. Have you seen uh, Commander Whitehead? <laughs> Curiously reversing. Schweppes is a tiny effervescent bottle that lasts the whole drink through. Curiously refreshing. Well, now, of course, he is, he is obviously, he, he's not, he, he, he must have been provided by central casting. With that, he's, he combines everything. George Bernard Shaw's beard, he combines uh, Rex Harrison's eyes, and he's got C. Aubrey Smith's British Empire uh, accent. There's just a little slight hesitation there. Curiously refreshing. <laughs> I wonder how that would go in London. Uh, you know, they're, oh, for crying out loud! Look at that. You know, this is talk about Uncle Tomming it. But uh, oh yes, yeah. I, I've known a couple of my friends who have gone overseas and literally play Americans. 
in England. Oh, yes. Oh, they play. They're always chewing gum, you know, Morales. Hey, man! They're always... <laughs> oh, yeah, they're always saying... Hey, man, uh, uh, come on, slip me some skin, man. And, and, of course, the English flip. And that the, the kind of stuff that these guys are saying since they've been out of the States for ten years roughly dates back to just about the, the last days of the bop era, you know, with the black glasses and the... Uh, you know, they're saying things like that. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, the English don't know the difference anyway. But, but you know, uh, speaking of the mysterious East and the, uh, the, 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 uh, some of the things that are, are sneaking around, have you seen the uh, ads for this monster movie? Now, everybody puts down monster movies, you see. We, you know, they're like junk. But I'm going to tell you, I have a, a, a very sneaky suspicion that a long time from now, long after we're gone, sociologists and people who study civilizations, our anthropologists, archaeologists, and so on, are going to be, believe me, they're going to be running off King Kong. They really are. They're going to be running off such tripe as uh, Fu Manchu. Because all the subtle things which, which most movies will not admit to, uh, all the little subtle variations of human feelings and so on, which movies will not ever admit to. The, the serious ones, you know, the Stanley Kramer type, the Stanley Kubrick. You notice how many Stanleys are around. This is a big year for Stanleys. Uh, the, the Stanley Kubrick type thing. They never admit to these things. They all carry the image of man as everyone would like to believe man is. The monster movies have them, you know. They, everybody wants to kill the monster. The first thing they kill them. They don't want to catch him. They never want to catch him or put him in a zoo or study him. Kill him! Kill him! They're running out with the flamethrowers. Well, that is truly a picture of man. It's much closer to the reality than the, the wonderful romantic image we have. I'm sure that if Stanley Kubrick ever made a monster movie, he'd have a whole bunch of guys who want to catch, catch the monster and want to study him and would feel empathy for him. Forget it! Oh, forget it! <laughs> the only people who feel empathy for monsters are people who are 5,000 miles away. Uh, this is the truth. You can hardly find a guy in Africa who, who feels empathy for crocodiles. Or for elephants, even. They, they, they pop off elephants. Because, you know, the guy's walking down the street, and all of a sudden, whoo, 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 the elephant comes, you know, and pow, and the next thing you know, he's in, he's in Lake County somewhere. And, and uh, you know, they just don't feel the same about monsters, where there are monsters. They really don't. And, and we, living in the Bronx or in Queens, we're always forming committees to preserve the elephant, you know, or to preserve the lion. Well, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you run mu into much trouble with lions over there on the Grand Concourse. Uh, that kind of lion, anyway. But uh, nevertheless, uh, we, we, they, they, so whenever you go to the frontier, it's very difficult to talk a guy into preserving whatever it is that's biting him on the fanny. It really is. Uh, now, now, oh, yes. Like, one of the things that we do not understand about the Indian problem was that the Indians caused guys a lot of trouble in the, uh, years and years ago. I mean, they were killing guys left and right. Well, so it was hard to talk those guys into preserving Indians, you know. And, I, and I'm not anti-Indian, but it just, it just produced that kind of feeling, the frontier feeling about it. And so I think that uh, maybe 500 years from now, the, the things that, like King Kong, I, I remember seeing King Kong as a kid, you know, and and uh, uh, King Kong was a strange thing. It's uh, this is a this is another example of our desire to turn animals into human beings. If you remember, King Kong was both a heavy and a hero at the same time. 
Oh, yeah. At one minute, he's knocking down the Empire State Building or he's knocking down the L. And you, you had a vague feeling that he was right. Yeah, he should have knocked down the L. And, and when they came out and they were, they were trying to shoot cannons into him and all that and knock him down with the spads and everything, you see, everyone felt that he was being wronged. <laughs> that is because there was no monster outside of the theater knocking down the L. You know, it's as simple as that, really. It's all on the screen. You can always empathize with something that is totally abstract. Uh, completely abstract. Have you noticed how many people will be your tremendous social commentators as long as they're 1,000 miles from where the fistfights are going on? Oh, yes. And I'm taking no sides here. I'm just saying that it is very easy for a person to be an extremely objective observer of monsters, we'll say. As long as you are not getting stepped on the back of the neck by King Kong, a 47-foot-high gorilla. Uh, oh, yes, you're, you, you'd be surprised how quickly your objectivity goes. When, when you hear the first, coming down the street, oh, boy. <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's a wild thing. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's also, of course, that relates to war, too. It is, it is almost, uh, almost axiomatic, the two different views of war. Uh, the one view of war are guys who have been there, and the other view are guys who make films about it. Two totally divergent views, totally. And, and of course, one becomes, one is a show. You know, it's, it's interesting how many people look at life as a show. I mean, it's some kind of a production. Uh, oh, yes, uh, it's a production. And, in fact, uh, even many of the demonstrations today are as rehearsed. They even have a school for demonstrations now. Oh, yes, they rehearse demonstrators. They rehearse spontaneous applause. Yeah, and everybody's excited. Everybody wants to get in the demonstration because everybody has a secret desire to be in showbiz anyway. And as long as uh, many demonstrations are showbiz, you might as well, you know, this is the one way to get in without talent. Just be mad. That's enough. That's talent. Well, uh, I, I, I was looking at all the ads of this movie. It's great, you know. As an old King Kong fan, I, I, uh, uh, I was just a kid, you know, when King Kong was tromping around there. And uh, <laughs> my, I, I couldn't figure out whether my old man identified with King Kong or whether he identified with the guys who were shooting the guns at King Kong. It's very hard to tell which one you identify with at any given moment. Whose side are you on? Well, I, I have a, a vague, sneaking suspicion that most of us are on the side of rampant destruction. We really are. We, we, it's a very, very sneaky thing. I mean, everybody, including Pfeiffer, the whole, all the deep thinkers, everybody. I'm just talking it as a nature of man, not as a nature of a certain person. We are all on the side of rampant destruction. As long as we can make that destruction appear to be a good thing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It, it has all kinds of ramifications. Now, have you read about the most recent one, though, which I think is great? I mean, uh, because it has so many beautiful sociological implications. And uh, give me my mysterious oriental music. This current monster... Oh, by the way, almost all the big monster horror films are coming out of Serene, Japan. Dying, oing. The two mightiest monsters of all time in the most colossal conflict screen has ever known. See King Kong as capture and escape. Godzilla's attack on Tokyo with his atomic power. King Kong.
Kong's ferocious strength levels everything before him. Godzilla knocks jet bombers from sky. Ocean liners capsize. Tidal waves flood the earth. The walls, peoples, and panics. I think one of the most significant lines that I've read in years is this line right here. Listen. Godzilla's attack on Tokyo with his atomic power. What is the only country in the world where atomic power has been used? That means to me, then, that, that atomic power and the atomic bomb has, even to the Japanese, become showbiz. Oh, wonderful showbiz! Very exciting atomic explosion. All of you remember previous appearances of Big Show at Hiroshima and Nagasaki, now making wonderful reappearance in Tokyo. Wild, isn't it? Can you imagine? Uh, it's very hard. Can you imagine a country? Now, can you imagine us? Uh, now, let's just take us. We're Americans. See, we're, 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 you know, we're going along here, and we've got our way of life, and, and you know, we believe in it uh, up to a point. Any, uh, no more than other people believe in their way of life up to a point. You see, everybody's bugged because their feet hurt and everything. No matter where you go, nobody believes that the life where he is living is good. It's just the way it is. Uh, and, and so here we are, you see, and one day we are attacked by Power X, or we get into some big gigantic castle, you know, with this, this, this power, this big country, whatever it is. And we're fighting along. We got the guys and the Marines and everybody's joining and we've got planes going and they've got the planes going and we've got everything and John Payne reenlists again, you know, and Ronald Reagan is on there doing the movies and, and all of them. Don Amici makes a comeback, you know, and the whole business is going on there and we've gotten the people on the swing shift and we got swing shift Maisie movies going, the whole bitch, you know, the guys are bowling at four in the morning. It's all swinging and all of a sudden, right in the middle of it all, kaboom! These guys drop the monster caterpillar bomb, which is a completely new concept. It drops 47 trillion voracious people-eating caterpillars on Chicago, Los Angeles, and New York simultaneously. There is no fallout. Just a lot of caterpillar droppings left. That's all. Boom! Ah! Woo! Uh, dead. And immediately then, we issue, a gigantic issue, we put up a big sign, we surrender, hold up, hold up, hold up, no more caterpillar bombs for humanity, we must preserve humanity, no more caterpillar bombs, oh, we give up. Well, then they have, they meet us in the middle of the ocean, you see, and we sign, and they have a great big meeting on, on, a, on an enormous nuclear battleship, and uh, there's a general there with black glasses and a fancy hat. And our defeated generals arrive, and we sign, you know, and the president signs. And then, after that, they come in. The guy with the black glasses comes in. Establish, now must establish democratic, true people's democratic attitude and government. Must establish immediately under military command. From henceforth and now on, all peoples will be all utterly and completely the same. No difference between women and men. Men are men, men are men, and women are women, and then men can be women, women can be men. All must be absolute equal. We all work together in gigantic common form. We work together in enormous factory and build better tractors. We must... Well, of course, what we would do within about 25 hours is start applauding this guy. Oh, yes. Literally what the Japanese did. We must start immediately applauding him and make of him a deity. And then... Ten years later, 
we have a gigantic movie, an enormous movie, and it starts out, it says, See, New York, destroyed by gigantic caterpillar bomb. See, enormous caterpillar bomb dropped on Chicago. Biggest spectacle of all time. And we have it dubbed in the other guy's language. And it is showing in his country. <laughs> this is exactly what this is. It's wild. It really is. I don't think that we really understand the nature of defeat. I think one of the sweetest things that man knows is defeat. I really believe that man loves defeat more than he loves victory, even though everyone likes to pretend it's the other way around. Why, why uh, I'm, I'm curious, you know. Uh, why, as, <laughs> if you don't think so, you, you, you should talk to a lot of Germans. Why, the, the sense of defeat they have is one of the most delightful things that most of them have ever known. And they can always go for the rest of their lives with a cause. Now, wh look, at, look at the South and the North. The Civil War. What side do we honor? For some nutty reason, <laughs> the South. <laughs> and it is nutty in, in current history, I'll tell you. Uh, but somehow, the fact that they were defeated somehow made them better. And most historians have a vague pro-South leaning, and they're not Southerners. They, it isn't at all that. They have a vague pro-defeat leaning. That anything a Northern general does, it was because he was sneaky, uh, solid soldier with overwhelming supplies. <laughs> anything the South did, due to extreme gallantry and superb horsemanship and magnificent strategy, Lee was able to... <laughs> well, that's a very interesting problem. And it has, it has wild ramifications. In fact, I know, it, it, it even connects up down, I know dozens of guys, uh, millions of friends I have in the village. And the minute one guy makes it, in short, becomes a victor. Like writes a book that everybody, forget it, he's a bum. And, 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 and I have known more guys attain a, a true stature by being blasted by the New York Times. That means somehow they're better, they're more honest. My George, you're an honest man. Mm -hmm. My God. <laughs> so it's tied up with this thing. But, but to carry it even further, did you read the review in the Times about, about King Kong? You want to hear how, how the story goes? It really has subtle implications. It's mysterious oriental music. He's the mysterious music. King Kong versus Godzilla should be an explicit enough title for anyone. Viewers who attended the ridiculous melodrama unveiled at neighborhood theaters yesterday should know exactly what to expect and get what they deserve. The one mild surprise of this cheap reprise of earlier Hollywood and Japanese horror films is the ineptitude of its fakery. When the pair of prehistoric monsters finally get together for a battle royal, the effect is of nothing more than a couple of dressed-up CD stuntmen throwing cardboard rocks at each other. Meanwhile, and listen to this, meanwhile, comically treated oriental onlookers are dubbed with pungent comments, such as, he's roasting King Kong, or, oh, that Kong, he's chicken. <laughs> That's a great line. <laughs> oh, that Kong, he has chicken. <laughs> I can describe King Kong as anything, but not chicken. That's pretty interesting. <laughs> King Kong is chicken. And then it could sound... Now, here's where we get into the more interesting parts of the review. Godzilla, an invention of the Japanese, 
in fact, a Japanese homegrown monster, is a kind of fire-eating lizard with an, with an impenetrable hide and habit of swathing down buildings with his tail. The sympathy in this fray, however, is with Kong, the American-manufactured gorilla who still displays his own weaknesses for the ladies. Oh, yes, I remember Kong always had a thing on chicks. Uh, it says, This time the slow eyes for dalliance merely screeches in horribly dubbed diction and faints in his paw. Is far cry from good old days when Fay Ray, finding himself in similar predicament, seduced Kong with shimmy. <laughs> well, things have happened a lot since those days, Daddy. We like to think we're more swinging. Forget it. Listen, Faye took one look at the eye of that gorilla, and she knew she'd found her dream man. What she'd wanted all the time. And what all the, all the chicks in the audience secretly have wanted all the time, too, you know? <laughs> That's why I say they're far more truthful than Kubrick. Kubrick would have her screaming. Faye Ray makes the scene. Well, now, now uh, while we're on the... You know, you, the, the, the thing about this, though, is that the, the American gorilla defeats the Japanese monster. That's very important to understand, you know. And the Japanese made the film. And they believe, watching it, that is for good of all. Oh, yes. I believe that the defeated, because of the inborn sense of guilt that all people have, figures that his defeat was well earned. The Japanese figure they were well defeated by showing this film. They really do. And, and you go to Germany, and it's a, you think you don't get this in Germany? Oh, boy. Let me tell you this. I, I, I think I even told this on the air one night about going through the toy shops in Germany. The single biggest item in the toy shops in Germany are U.S. military equipment. Not German. They do not have models of Tiger, Tiger, Tiger tank. Not at all. We have here a wonderful, a very wonderful Heinkel, JU-88, Junkers, JU-88. No. What are they buying? They are buying American M5 tanks. They are buying American P-51s. They are buying American B-17 is the single biggest selling model in Germany today and was told to me by a top toy buyer in Munich. B-17. Why? One night about 4,000 B-17s came right over Munich and laid it flat. <laughs> and it's not, not funny, but it, it tells you something about the feet. It really does. That, that, and, and, and most of the Germans, oh, seriously, when you, get, when you get a German to one side, he will tell you, if he ever can, if he ever can get this honest and can really lay it right out, he will say, and, and I've had several say it to me, very, I, I figure it was a good thing that we lost that war. A very good thing, I figure. I, I, I do not like to say this around the house, but Holger home there, but I say it was a good thing that we lost the war there. Do not mention this to Carl. And, of course, you see Carl and Carl say, well, let me tell you, I think that we, it was a good thing we lost the war. Please do not mention it to Otto. And, you know, Otto has just told you. And, and everywhere you go, there's a secret, because it gives you a sense of righteousness, a peculiar kind of sense of righteousness. The defeated, the cleansed. You know what I mean? That the, the defeated is a cleansed one. And, uh, and the Japanese show it in, in odd ways, like uh, to show the big scene in the movies. Now, now, you would call that sick. 
But is it? I think it's normal. I don't think it's sick at all. I think it's, that's the normal, because we've never known the feet you know uh, as, uh, as a country. So we don't know about that yet, really. You have to look at how other countries have reacted to see how defeat affects people really strongly. Uh, you know, a little of this happened in, in Korea. I hate to tread upon difficult ground, but many soldiers, when brought in, where they were literally defeated soldiers, you know, captured by the Koreans, immediately embraced <laughs> the, 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 the Korean ideology and, in fact, well, found themselves, in many cases, uh, apologizing for being on the other side. Yeah, uh, which, which in a tiny microcosmic way illustrates the same point. Although, then again, on the other hand, perhaps in many areas of life, we are defeated. Maybe this is why so many people feel great, almost unbelievable uh, uh, worship for other places, for the Castros, uh, for the Khrushchevs, because they have defeated us in some way, a subtle way, not with the bombs, maybe, but something far subtler and far more defeating, perhaps, far more completely. Because I think defeat comes in a lot of ways. It, 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 it comes sometimes with machines. It comes sometimes with other things. Now, I'm curious, you know. I suspect that, uh, really, I, I do. I suspect that one day, uh, one of the biggest things you will be able to buy around this, you know, around this town will be, say, let's say, a model of a real Russian T-34 tank. Real tank with muzzle-loading, semi-gas-operated, multiple velocipede rifle a very good tank low silhouette <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah you know that down at down at one of the toy stores for a while you could buy you could buy little castro suits little castro suits yeah little beards for the kids you know and the whole bit you know ah, see tokyo destroyed by atom bombs Sent forth by Godzilla, Japanese monster. My, it's very, very interesting. Very good movie. 